Welcome to Third Tuesday Conversation, a monthly podcast that focuses on the ministry of faith formation with children, youth, and families in ELCA congregations. Our goal is to engage in conversations that strengthen and empower your ministry world. This podcast is produced by the ELCA Youth Ministry Network. I'm Elizabeth Pedersen. I'm Danica Olson. And I'm Adam Butler. What is up, party people? Hello. Another almost Christmas. TC. Almost You've Christmas. Come to the end of 2023. And how are we feeling about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's gone really fast, I feel like. Totally. Yeah. I I wrote the date today on something and I thought, I just when I get used to writing 2023, it's about to be 2024. Yep. <laughs> It'll take me six months to be like, okay, what? Two, four. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got a special guest with us today by the name of Lyle Griner. Uh, I think that many of our listeners probably know who Lyle is, but uh, Lyle, how about that for a, an opening question? How are you feeling about the end of 2023? <laughs> right. My my wife, Andrea, does a lot of children's sermons and she always starts out, you know, okay, how's everybody doing? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs to the side, you know. So yes, I think I got a thumbs up. And then they always say, and 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 all thumbs are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you worked with uh you worked with a, a guy named Ben Richter for a while, and he uh he does one that I like with the thumbs too, where he's a scale of five to negative five and has the thumb to the side as zero. I don't know, I don't know why it makes a difference not to go zero to ten, but I kind of like it. It's unique. So there you go. So where are you? Where are you at? Thumbs to the thumbs to the top to the yeah, side. Yeah, I'm 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 ending up the year. You know, it's it's been a fun year. It's still after COVID, and for a person that does the type of work I do, which is dependent on connecting with churches and and their needs, yep. um, I had a really fun fall and Good. a lot of travels and a lot of different uh, groups and yeah. In different denominations I've been working with. So that's, yeah, that's been, that's been good. Every time you turn the calendar, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what's next? So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll yeah. See. Well, you have had a big year, Lyle, and that's, uh, that's one of the main reasons we've got you with us today is because uh, you, uh, you are always doing big things with peer ministry leadership and uh, with that, program, but you also uh, wrote a book with the title of something that I know you've been saying for years and years and years that uh, youth are either leading or they are leaving. And, uh, and so you've, you've done a lot of work with the book, but you've done a lot of work with your organization. So, so tell us just a little bit about uh, what this year has been like for you uh, with the, the places you've been and the things you're doing and and this are just a, a beginning of the, or like an intro into the book that you are, that you have uh, read, and then we'll go deeper into that uh, as we go along. Right. Sure. Well, it's, well, again, the year's, the year's been a fun year and to to write a book, which has been really in the process for quite some time is, is a a highlight um, uh, of that year. But uh, you're right. Youth are either leading or leaving. I, I I say I don't know that I came up with it first, uh, but I certainly get the award for saying it the most, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, through the years. And so, really, you know, when you when you say that, uh, um, it, it it then it becomes a look at well, how are kids being invited to lead? 
You know, what are the ways uh, that they're keeping? And I think over and over again, I keep finding and asking people, you know, about their experiences. My guess is, you know, if, if, if all adults, if all church leaders were together, you know, and I ask you to, you know, how many of us have stories when we think back, you know, to somebody that said, we need you. And, and a lot of us do. A lot of us have those early stories where, um, uh, you know, where an adult or a, a church leader or somebody said, you're important and we need you. Um, what am I? Uh, I go back to I go back to seventh grade Lyle. And and uh, I had a seventh grade Sunday school teacher by the name of Dick Harsh. And I wish I could tell you anything he taught <laughs> or where we sat or who was in the class. I don't remember any of that. What I do remember is Dick would call me up on Saturdays, ask me, I don't know if he asked me thumbs up, thumbs down, but he asked me how my week was going. And uh, we talked Although I remember myself as a seventh grader, I don't know how much I talked, but uh, mm. but he talked. He got to know my parents. He would stop by and have coffee with my parents. He would uh, uh, invite me up to the university. He was an art teacher at the university, and I would go up and hang out with him. Anyway, it was just a, it was kind of this cool, unusual you, you know mentoring relationship. At the end of the year, he sat me down and he uh, had to tell me that he was moving out of state. And, uh, you know, which I was sad about. But he said to me, he said, Lyle, he said, your faith is really important to you. He says, it's it's big. And he said, he says, I hope you do something, you know, really big with that faith. Um, that's the only real words I remember him saying. But those have stuck with me my whole life, you know, mm. and just hearing that seventh grade Sunday school teacher, you know, claim that for me. Cool. When you sent me uh, an email message, you you wanted to talk a little bit about just youth ministry world, how this fits in, and uh, we all know it's it's you know we're we're come still coming out of COVID, and it was interesting. I've been asking people, you know, just what their experiences are, and uh, uh, and a lot of people are you know a lot of churches are finding certainly less youth youth involvement maybe than in some cases anyway than what they were. Um, I was talking with a, uh, a bishop's assistant yesterday out east, and, and she used the words despair. And she said she feels like she's helping a lot of her churches go through grief when it comes to youth ministry. I'm seeing, you know, a lot across the country, I'm seeing a lot of people whose jobs are being cut and, and uh, or they're changing places and, and for various reasons. Uh, people said they're just, they're finding, you know, families say, and we've always said this, that families are busy, you know, just overly busy. And uh, um, and that's true. We are, we get busy. Um, one of the things I always say about busy is busy also equals empty. Uh, when people are overly busy, there's a hole there and and there's a need there. So to claim that, you know, as, as well as places to come out of the traffic, uh, right? Come out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God. And, and uh, there's a need for that. And uh, I'll find it. Trauma gets thrown around a lot. You know, we went through some years of some trauma. Um, I just got off the uh, off of Zoom just a short while ago with a, with a camp and uh, talking about what are real relationships? Because uh, relationships now tend to be virtual. They tend to be, you know, uh, those Twitter feeds, those, you know, various things that we see. And, and finding that kids are, 
are kind of confused in some ways, right? About about what are real relationships and and uh, loneliness becomes one of those words too that just stands out with Surgeon General, U.S. Surgeon General, and their report and and other reports coming out. Uh, just about lonely. So anyway, there's a lot, and and in the midst of that, there's a lot of cool things going on too, um, right? And and fun things and exciting things that are happening, and and that's fun. I think the book, uh, it, you know, for itself, it, it was a way for me to look at uh, all kinds of ways that churches are saying we need you, and and uh, uh, ways for them to to share. Um, how they're saying we need you uh, to kids. I think that's those words. I say every church, uh, kids active or not active, uh, needs to hear the words we need you at least twice a year, if not more, uh, you know, from people in their church. And it needs to be for something that's meaningful and, and specific and, and, uh, and to them. Kids respond. Kids respond. I'm thinking about... Um the ways that it's changed in in my context kids we're finding that kids youth specifically teenagers are not um as interested in the hangout pieces but absolutely if you ask them to serve or to show up to lead in any way like we have to find jobs for them to do because they are so interested in in being a part of something that they perceive matters and their being together and their hanging out is a different, the medium, it seems to be different these days, as you mentioned. What I think that I am constantly wrestling with is how do we embolden our congregation to be the inviters rather than just me or other staff. What's what's the invitation to our congregation to invite teenagers into the things that they are up to in our congregation? Right. Yeah. It's kind of a refocusing of of uh, of what youth ministry is in some ways, and and upholding that. And and so um, so get everybody a book in your congregation and uh, <laughs> have them read it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, Dan, I, I appreciate your saying, oh, we got to find ways now, you know, for uh, for kids to lead. And I think that's exactly right. I have suggested with congregations that uh, there's several steps that you need to do. And, and it really is putting together a we need you plan. And uh, one is you need to know who your kids are person by person. And some of those are just that continued having those one on one conversations with youth, the, the active the, the sometimes seeing, the seldom seeing kids and and getting to know them. Um, let me tell a story uh, real, as I go into this. Uh, I was first hired <laughs> coming up from Iowa to Minnesota uh, by a church up in Anoka that had, okay, uh, 200 kids per grade level. And and I just kind of, you know, yeah, I still kind of laugh going, what was I thinking? <laughs> Hi, I'm from Iowa. <laughs> and and uh, But a lot of my job, was to go out and and find the kids that they didn't know. And and I did a lot of home visits back in those days, a lot of visits with families, a lot of visits with them. And when I first started out, I started out just 
you know, carrying on kind of fun conversations, kind of trying to get to know them. And somewhere along the line, I learned to take a take a, a list of questions, you know, and give them a list of questions and me a list of questions and say, pick one, let's talk about that. And the surprise to me was how deep we went uh, using a tool like that. And, and uh, you know, and, and because they would pick, they, they wouldn't pick the easy ones, they would pick the hard ones. And uh, um, I was surprised at that, but it gave me a way to get to know uh, kids. And of course, then the challenge was, you know, how do we invite, how do we plug in? And, and uh, I've learned a lot since then, because uh, at that time, it was kind of traditional youth ministry things that we were doing and and uh, but here's the deal i think i think uh one is you need to have people getting to know your kids and maybe that's some of your volunteers or you know some of your adults that can do those like one-time mentoring roles um uh but get to know get to know your kids and the ones you see the ones you don't see two is uh, uh and i laugh when i put a little chapter together on this i said i said warning it leads to a database right <laughs> especially if you're a bigger church and i mean you gotta have that list of kids and you gotta know what some of their passions are and uh but then another list that you start keeping and danica it's just what you said you have to start an ever-growing list of how do we need kids you know and and uh uh, and part of that is uh, part of that is allowing, you know, I say equip, empower, but allow, you know, how do we allow kids uh, to take roles in the church? And for some places, that's, you know, that's a big thing. I have been suggesting to churches that you take, uh, and I'll just, I'll just say two, might be more, might be less, but take two names. Next time you have a staff meeting, committee meeting, whatever it is, and uh, sit down and and say, how do we need these kids? How can we invite? We haven't seen them for a while. What can we invite them to? And it might be that it's music. It might be that it's children's ministry. It might not be the traditional youth ministry, uh, you know, places. It might be for a one-time thing. I don't know, but uh, uh, right. But uh, uh, and then decide who's going to invite. And, and and Danica, yeah, as far as your kind, I think once you get that going, then to you have to kind of educate each group. Why is why is this uh, why is this important? People people say uh, what gets counted, right? Uh, uh, what 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 gets counted uh, is what counts for a church, and and uh, uh, so maybe it's time to think of a different way of counting. And I did run into one leader, a fairly large church that said we had 90 some percent of our high school kids involved this year. And I was like, that's unheard of. And, and uh, uh, but then he clarified and said, that doesn't mean they were there every week, but that means that they're invited to do something through the year. And I mm -hmm. love that, you know, do something, you know, uh, our church has had an Advent festival. They have lots of crafts going on and lots of craft tables, all, all being led by different uh, teenage kids. And the beauty of it was a, a lot of those were teenage kids that we don't always see, you know, that came and, 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 but because somebody asked and said, we need you, they came and they led families, you know, in, in those, that counts, that counts. Um, so what if, you know, I, I just, what if counting, you know, isn't always, uh, you know, how many people showed up for my event, but what if counting is, you know, how many, how many kids did we get to include this year in some kind of, you know, opportunity? 
to be in the midst to lead. Um, people remember those times when they're asked, right? They kids remember when they're specifically asked and said they were needed uh, in a in a role, and uh, that th- those are big. Those are big. Hmm. Lyle, you've mentioned a couple of times in quotes traditional youth ministry, and I just want to uh, circle back to that a bit, yeah. and just uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about you know what is that. And how does or doesn't that work in where we're where we're at today, or has it ever? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh that's that's a loaded question, Elizabeth. Well, no. yeah, right, right. No, I I'm I'm a fan of of uh, youth ministry. I'm a fan of youth group. I'm certainly not against any of that, uh, but I don't think it needs to be the measurement always of of our success. Like I said, I think there's different ways to uh, to count that. Yeah. I, uh, I I mean, I, I have had a history of being rather good at developing <laughs> youth group <laughs> ministries that that yeah. uh, you know uh, did. And I learned early on that you had to have a leadership team. That youth had to be part of that leadership team. That they had to be. Uh, and I think so. I think uh, the chapter I put in the book is about youth led youth group or youth, I like youth ministry better than youth group. Group looks inward too much for me. And, uh, uh, but I, but one of the things I learned is that there's elements that you put together your programmatic pieces with, and you need to know those elements. And then you need to ask, how do, how can I have kids take over, you know, those elements and for, for me to coach them. Uh, with my church, I did an interim year not too long ago. And, uh, uh, go Tiger McLuhan, because I hear you're doing the same thing out there right now. So yeah, for his his youth ministry. So yay, Tiger being back at. But uh, I was really proud in that uh, I went home a lot of the nights and said, yeah, I think I stand up, I stood up at the end and, and made a couple announcements. Hmm. That was my involvement. The whole other thing was was kids, you know, ahead of time to do various pieces and and uh um, to lead the lead the small groups, to lead the music, to lead the games, to lead the you know, and I was very proud of them. Um, uh, they owned it and they took it, and and so I think uh, uh, again, you find that's one of those places that you find those ways that uh, that that kids can do that. I also found churches that uh, were plugging teenage kids into their Sunday school, into their children's ministry places. A lot of people have included those in several churches that completely um, are led by teenage kids and and those Sunday school kids. And in those cases, it was interesting because the youth ministry, um, if you wanted to count numbers, they had more kids doing Sunday school ministry than they had doing youth group ministry. You know, and and it's like, oh my gosh, why don't we, you know? And and the youth leaders weren't counting that, you know, as a success. They felt like it was almost a conflict to what they were doing, uh, and it was like, it's not. <laughs> Claim it, you know, make that uh, part of your ministry and and uh, work alongside that. I love the thought. What if what if the job description of the youth minister? was just what I was talking about earlier. How many kids can I plug in across the board in every corner of our church? And, and mm-hmm. find I remember, uh, I think about uh, worship sometimes. I, I, for a while, got to volunteer teaching a confirmation class some years back. And I'm teaching this group of, of kids or working with this group of kids and discussions. And, 
And uh, one of the kids says, church is boring. <laughs> and they all started talking about how church was boring. Now, at the time, we were at we were at a big church. We were at the cool church. I mean, they had amazing music. They had skits. They had dramas. They had a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. And I'm just like, this is not a boring church, you know. Uh, but I sat back and I started to watch worship and I go, well, you know, but the music was all done by amazing professionals. Uh, the dramas were sometimes include little kids, but not all adults. I didn't hear anything in the sermon illustrations. I didn't hear, you know, they were absent. Teenage kids were absent from this. About that same time I'm down in Florida, I'm working with some uh, group of Episcopalians, and, and I meet Douglas. And Douglas was uh, a 10th grade boy. We're talking a little bit, and I, and I say, Douglas, what, what keeps you excited about your faith? And Douglas says to me, I'm a head acolyte. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, that's something you have to do to get out of confirmation, isn't it? You know? <laughs> right? And, and, uh, and uh, he proceeds to tell me, about the young people that he was leading and teaching. He had been to the Acolyte Convention of whatever, whatever, you know, and, and uh, this, was a, this was a high church, you know. Oh. I mean, you know, high church, uh, traditional kind of stuff. But then he started telling me about communion, and he started telling me about watching people's eyes. And it got really holy for a few minutes because he he loved just at communion watching and, and imagining, you know, people's lives and, and what was going on there. And it was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. But it hit me uh, shortly after that. It's not how it's not always about the program. It's not always about the coolness, <laughs> you know, whatever it is of the church. Mm -hmm. It's how our kids need it. Yeah. Right. Uh again, I'll I'll pick on worship, but a a, a little church down in, in La Crescent. Minnesota. Uh, I was talking with the pastor, and they were a church that were keeping a hundred percent of their kids involved after confirmation. And they had, you know, 18, 20 kids, something like that. Uh, uh, and it was like, but he talked about worship, and and uh, this pastor said, Yeah, he says, people come and they say, Oh, I didn't realize that today was youth Sunday. And he just smiles. <laughs> so he says, Nope, that's every Sunday, you know. Well, it was just, you know. So, you know, different churches find their different ways and their different places, but kids go where they're needed. They go where they're asked. They're, they go where they're included. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That seems like the area of focus because I, what, I've, what I've been kind of formulating my head as a question to you, Lyle, has to do with kind of the, the piece of this that I feel like a lot of congregations are despairing about, which is that maybe before COVID they had uh, vibrant youth programs or, or confirmation programs. And, you know, I, th I think they were, I think we were starting to see discouraging declines before that, but of course, like maybe, maybe there's this memory that exists of when uh, young people used to kind of just, they used to just kind of come right because the, the program was established and the things were a part of their life and something about it made it attractive enough to be a part of. And the despairing piece is that that young people aren't just coming to these things anymore. And it's not just automatically happening. And the arena has sort of changed, right? So so plugging young people into the things that we're doing in the life of our congregation sounds nice. But what happens when the kids aren't here or, or what happens when the, the, the pool is smaller? 
Um, and hmm. we know that they still exist outside of the building, right? They still are going to the schools and involved in activities and they still live in our neighborhoods and things like that. But what do we do when the arena sort of changes from youth rooms and gyms in our churches <laughs> and basements and fellowship halls to, you know, elsewhere. And it seems to me that the, that the, some sort of an antidote to that is plugging them into the life of the congregation. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering about the, the nuts and bolts of that when those young people have disappeared largely from, from just like physical presence in our buildings and in the life of the congregation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that was a question, but there you go. There's what, there's what I'm thinking about as you talk. If I'm, part of some kind of group and I've been a part of it and all of a sudden I'm not there and nobody ever says anything. Then I just figure I never mattered in the first place. Mm. So the challenge is to go back and, and it's a lot of work, but maybe it's organizing, like I said, Danica too, you know, maybe it's volunteers and it's, maybe it's not just you, maybe it's not just the staff people, uh, but there needs to be those one-on-one opportunities to, keep connecting with those kids and just have meaningful, you know, conversations with them, maybe their families too. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's more of a missionary kind of style of work, right. Than a create it and think they'll come. And it's being missionaries and going out to their worlds and going out to, you know, time that you can meet with them and be with them. Um, right. Yeah. I'm wondering to piggyback on this, that, we're having this conversation, not just with kids, not just about kids, but about adults. And some of the folks that I work with wonder, how do you deliver the invite or how do you check in on people uh, without a layer of shame? shame Because, because people or guilt, because people will be like, Oh, I know I haven't been back. And they, it, it comes with a litany of excuses or like, I'm so sorry. And um, well, I, I, I think for, for me, it's somebody saying, uh, you know, first of all, the fact that like the bigger risk is that nobody says anything mm-hmm. you know, and notices and, and yeah, maybe a little guilt and shame on my part, but uh, for somebody to say, uh, you know, we just want to know, we just want to know you're okay. And we want to, you know, know that you still count for us and, yeah. and you're important. Um, in fact, love to just, let's have coffee, you know, yeah. let's chat. No, I do no, think though that that's, no, guilt, no shame. That was, that's, that's a barrier that's for, a, yeah, that's a that's, motto of, of, uh, uh, one of the churches I've worked with. No guilt, no shame. <laughs> nice. I do think it's a barrier for, for staff sometimes to say like, well, we don't, we don't want to make them feel bad. Um, sure. Sure. But yeah. uh, the, the, like I said, that's, there's the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's like, well, we don't want to make them, f- but but they do feel bad because nobody, nobody said anything. Yeah. Nobody noticed, you yeah. know? And I think for youth, that's true too. We, uh, you know, in churches I've worked, I know we tend to, you know, we take them through confirmation and, and we have a wonderful confirmation, hopefully. Right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we finish up and then we never see a lot of them again. And, and, 
you know, what, what, what is that saying to the kids too? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we only wanted to see you during, you were important to us during this time. And, and yes, we've got things for them to do and programs for them to be a part of, but, but uh, yeah, that, that one-on-one relational stuff has to keep going. Kids can do that themselves. I mean, kids can be part of that, right? Adam, before we started, you asked about peer ministry, you know, and, and I think, uh, uh, and of course, I'm a little biased being the director of that, but I think giving kids those relational skills of of listening and caring, right. and uh, and and but one of the things that they can do is is you know take a name of four kids they you know that they know and hang out with and and just say I want you to you know these are kids you pray for these are kids you talk to already keep track of them let me know you know as as the adult leader when I should ask them in and uh, or yeah I don't there's just ways of of yeah being a being a part of that and doing that uh you talked about kids being you know, involved in all those other activities and, and schools. And I think that's one of the prides I've had of, of the peer ministry piece is when you do give kids those those people skills, those those caring skills, uh, they find out that, that uh, you know, there's leadership for them in the church to, you know, places that they can use those. I think bigger than that is they get to use them every day, everywhere, every relationship. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it cool when you got a kid that uh, you know is too busy with I don't know basketball, you know, to make stuff right now, um, and and to be able to message that kid to be able to say, yeah, but but uh, you're out there. I mean, you know, you know the joys and you know the stresses of everybody on your team, you know, and and you're the ones that you're the first one that they talk to, you know, and and listen to. How can we help you help them? You know, our church is glad that you're busy with basketball because we need you on that team, and we need you to be a caring person for that team. And uh, uh, so, yeah, a uh, uh, little, little plug for that pyramid. But I, I, I always believe that no matter what the program is, you got to have you got to have a leadership crew, right? And and you guys have been around this so much and you've, you know, it's like, how many kids can you keep up with on a weekly basis to know what they're thinking and feeling? And we all go, yeah, maybe, maybe two. And those are my own kids. And I have a hard time doing that, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, but it's a small group, right? So uh, if you're the only person trying to keep up with the group of kids, your outreach is going to be pretty small. But if you have a team of people doing that, and it can be kids themselves doing that, right? Um that, that can expand and grow. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, I, just looking at, you know, from the book, just looking at different things that people were doing. And and uh, I've had kids, you know, uh, speak at things. Uh, you know, we, we've probably all done Youth Sunday sometime, you know, and, and found kids that were willing to, to speak at things. I was surprised when I started throwing that topic out and, and at uh, just the number of responses I got. You know, and how how important that was. Um, I watched I watched Izzy, a tenth grade girl, uh, last year speak at a small conference. Got up, talked about her life, talked about stress, talked about mental health, talked about working with a counselor. And I was kind of off to the side. Every eye, every kid eye in that place was just glued to her. And I watched. There's a lot of heads nodding. You know. And, and uh, it was terribly empowering, uh, you know, for Izzy. Uh, Ann Kudrow, a, a, a Methodist uh, pastor, 
uh, she contacted me and we talked a little bit. And she remembered being at a church. Um, she was uh, uh, she had been adopted into a family. They weren't really a church family. She was interested. Uh, anyway, uh, ended up confirmation. Ended up in a scenario where the pastor was asking for somebody to speak at the confirmation service. Didn't know why, but was just felt the nudge to say, I'll do that. And uh, right. And uh, and she talked about that whole experience. I won't go into all of it. Uh, but but at the end uh, of, of, of her talk, her senior pastor, the senior pastor came up and says, I'll, I'll see you at your ordination. She didn't know what that was. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that must be something beyond confirmation. I don't know, you know. So, and, and she didn't know what it was until she was in college. She was in a campus uh, minister's office and had a picture in, of him kneeling. And, and she was like, what's this? And he says, oh, that was my ordination. And it scared her to death. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> she realized, you know, what, you know, what her senior pastor but she is a person that continues to allow kids to speak and uh, allows them certainly in the congregation, but has learned every time she does a trip, they do campfire circles, even if it's an indoor campfire circle around a candle. And every night, a different kid gets to speak and gets to tell their story. And uh, uh, when I was looking for information on this on the website, I found one article. It was a uh, uh, Father Aaron, Episcopal uh, fellow, that uh, had been teaching a school class um, at, at his uh, church school and uh, uh, and taught it on the prophets and invited the kids to all make sermons and uh, put it together. And he said, prophets make people feel uneasy, so I want you to make people feel uneasy. And he said, they talked about everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, he talked about, it. and I loved. Uh, it, one of his kids said, "You helped me find my voice," you know. And uh, let kids speak. <laughs> uh, let them speak at campfire things. Let them speak. You know, find different opportunities. It doesn't always have to be the pulpit, but find those opportunities to invite kids to speak at various things, and uh, um, guarantee they remember them. You know, and mm -hmm. you know, that was, it was just cool. It was just cool. I don't know. Where are we at here? I know, Lyle, I, I, I know we're not, um, you know, firing back at you very often. And, and this video is not uh, along with the podcast, but we've been nodding our heads along with you <laughs> this whole time you've been talking. <laughs> yes, and I they feel have. Like, <laughs> I feel like you've been, you've been saying things and affirming things that we all know, right? Yeah. We all know yeah. these things. And yeah. it is almost like, you know, going back to the, to the spring or whatever, you know, like to like be, to be reminded of what we really do know deep down and an affirmation of like what we are called to as people doing this work with, with children, youth and families. And I, I, I mean, I thank you for that reminder that like we are, we are all here for the right reasons. Right. And it can get, yeah. it's so easy to get bogged down in, you know, all the things that we talked about, you know, what kind of numbers we're counting and like, and tend to, to veer off the path of like, am I even, do, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I going the right way? And so I thank you for yeah. in some ways getting us back on that path of like, yeah, this is, this is right. This is where we're going. This is, you are, your heart is in the right place. You aren't the only person who sees this and understands the importance of engaging our young people and what that looks like. So thank you for yeah, all that you've shared with us today and the stories that are so affirming. Yeah. Let me just, yeah, the, the book, I, 
um, I almost hate to call them chapters. I put 24 what ifs, you know, mm-hmm. 24 different what ifs. And I think put some real solid plans, you know, for churches around some of those and some thoughts. And so uh, I hope people look it up. Uh, Paraministry.org. <laughs> Take I was just going to ask where where can where yeah, can we find a uh, copy? Yeah, uh, go to premiumstreet.org if you would, and you can look in the store, and uh, you'll find it right away there. Uh, you'll order it through Book Baby. Yes, you can do Amazon, and but this is a shameless plug. Amazon gives you pennies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the author <laughs> literally pennies for yeah. each. Uh, where Book Baby takes care of you, the, the author is much better. And uh, so, yeah, you get it wherever you want. But, uh, uh, but uh, yeah. And then I hope, uh, you know, gosh, if people, if people get into it and, and I, again, I was talking with a, uh, a synod, uh, a bishop assistant and said, I now take this book around with me and suggest it to absolutely mm-hmm. everybody um, uh, along with a couple others. But, but uh, she said, it's so important that, that, uh, you know, people are starting to understand you know, that mm-hmm. uh, there are maybe different ways to count and yeah. um, different ways to celebrate uh, this ministry and what it is. Well, Lyle, like what I always appreciate about you is that you uh, uh, you have this wonderful way of talking about something in a new way that is that has been enduring for you through years and years and years of ministry. And uh, you're consistent about this piece of youth leading or leaving uh and have you know like you said said it more times than anyone else but it's a it's the encouraging piece of this that there is an enduring part of this that doesn't change from different iterations of the church we we might have to talk about it in new ways you might have to change phrasing and new ways of packaging it and um the landscape or the arena changes and um, but the the enduring piece of this is um, how we show up for young people and how we include them in the the life of the congregation as vital members, just as anyone else. And if we find ways that we can do that, new and old, um, then we're going to see then then we're going to see something happening. And it's not always going to look like busting at the seams church buildings but it's going to be something it's we're going to see something happening and that uh that's what i've always encouraged been encouraged by with in conversation with you and in uh, the work that you're doing so i i just want to uh, again echo thanks for the consistent voice that you are in youth ministry uh always because it's it's it is it is encouraging it's life-giving it's affirming and uh it it also helps us helps us youth leaders when we're going in, when we're kind of trying to find our way through the dark to, to maybe see the way out again. So, you know, just an encouragement to your life of work, Lyle, we're grateful for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us today. Before we go, here are quick uh, announcements and reminders. We encourage you to visit connectjournal.org. Connect is the network's online journal. They are working currently on articles that include AI, something you've heard right here. Visit connectjournal.org to see what's being put together for you. Extravaganza 2024 is just around the corner, January 18th to the 21st in New Orleans, Louisiana. This year's theme is Dream, and it's going to be a great event. Learn more at ext24.org. Yay. 
Thanks to all of you who are members of the network. Your membership makes things like Third Tuesday Conversation, our app, the Connect Journal, Discipling Cohorts Initiative, and the Extravaganza, plus so much more possible. If you're not a member of the network, we encourage you to join. We're grateful to be a community that cares for this ministry. Thanks so much for listening. New podcasts will be released on the third Tuesday of every month. Be sure to subscribe so you receive them as they come out and share them with your friends. Finally, thanks to Paul Amlin, the 3TC producer for his work. Have a great week. Bye. 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 Bye.